Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy Tuesday, America. Or it's actually, it's not even Tuesday. Uh, that, go- that just goes to show you, I am so exhausted after Pride Month that... I, I was surprised anybody had any energy left for the 4th of July, and I almost overslept this morning. And when I do that, when I almost oversleep, I usually look for my Bolivian marching powder, but I don't know what I did with it. I mean, I was I, I was in the White House last week, and I had it, and now I don't, and it was really very, very uh, difficult morning for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good grief. Just those few minutes, you've given me about... Uh, 20 things I want to say. So you could go have a little snack if you want. I won't need you for the next 20 <laughs> minutes. But let, let me just make uh, one, two quick comments. First on Pride Month. You know, something unusual is happening, Tom. Well, maybe not so unusual. As each Pride Month each year becomes more aggressive, more over the top, more demanding of people that do not share the pride of those celebrating Pride Month, uh, support for the public policy agenda of the LGBTQ community is dropping. Uh, there was a poll out just a few days ago that uh, there, there's a serious erosion taking place. And, and I think it's, you know, there's a, a number of reasons. I think uh, the, the drag queen uh, obsession we've seen, the... Uh, you know, let's mutilate our nine-year-olds in the name of uh, gender fluidity. I think that's uh, really bothering the American people. Any of them that still have a do you think it, uh, do you think that bothers them? Do you think that matters? I mean, the White House announces uh, late last week that it's appointing a special coordinator to wage lawfare against schools to try to shield kids from sexually explicit materials. Are you saying, Gary Bauer, that maybe the Democrats? will read these polling results and realize it'll take more than castrating kids to win elections? No, I'm uh, uh, well put. I, I'm saying that I, I see it as more evidence that on more and more things uh, in in this democratic uh, republic, this constitutional republic, uh, majorities are coming in our direction. And unless the the elections have been totally compromised and, and – uh, and are so riddled with fraud, there you know it won't make any difference. If that's the case, we should stop Bauer and Rose and go do something else because it, it truly is hopeless. But if it's possible to still have a fair election, th- th- then I think there's more and more possibility that we're going to win because even on these value issues, which are supposed to be according to the donor class and and others, heavy baggage for us. Not no, they're not. Uh, the, the public's went in our direction. That's one thing. The other thing is when the story broke about the Coke bag at the White House, uh, I, I have to admit, Tom, there's so much that you can see on social 
media that you, you've got to wait five minutes, right? Or you're going to be taken in. And I waited a little bit because I thought, oh, come on. That, I mean, on top of everything else that's happening with the Biden administration, now we're going to have this. And, yep, that, that's what we're going to have. And, and by the way, the, the effort to make it no big deal, the effort to suggest that, well, how could we possibly – Figure out who did this. Well, why don't you put that crack team you sent over to the Supreme Court to, to figure out who leaked the uh, Dobbs case, right? Yeah, if you send those guys to investigate, you're not going to figure out uh, who did it. But you and I have gone in that door uh, that, that the cubby holes are near a, a thousand times. You just don't walk in there willy nilly. You have to have a White House pass or somebody accompanying you with the White House pass. Um, and so here we are with all the things that is done, it's screwed and all the rest of it. We, he finds himself right now in two controversies and they're, and they're still small C one, his refusal to acknowledge he has a granddaughter in, uh, uh, in, in Arkansas or Missouri or whatever it is. And, and uh, his goofy smile uh, when asked, um, you know, what are you going to do if you find out whose cocaine that is? Are you going to prosecute the person? And he gives that, that goofy smile. Tom, just a few blocks from the White House, young people in Washington, D.C. are being killed over who will control the sale of cocaine and heroin on certain city blocks in Washington, D.C. But if it's found inside the White House, ah, come on, what's a little Coke among friends? No, I mean, they've got... I was struck by a couple of things. First of all, I think they, they might be serious now about this re-election thing. They're already uh, presidential debate prep clearly underway. And as you indicated, rather than looking for who it could be, it would probably be easier in that White House. They'd have an easier time narrowing it down by looking for who it wasn't. They're already, point. They're already telling us they're not going to find out. So we should stop yeah. asking, which in a day or two, I think we will. Next week, we won't even discuss it. It'll be off the front page. That, that's it. Remember the, remember the, uh, the inspector general at the FBI that wanted, among other things, to track down who at the FBI was leaking inappropriately material to the American media. And the, the inspector general finally, when he issued his report, said, I tried to look into that, but I found that the culture of media leaks at the FBI was so widespread, I didn't have a staff big enough to track down who the worst offenders were. And you're suggesting, I think correctly so. And I, I have to be honest with you. I'm so glad I selected you to be the Rose and Bauer Rose because I haven't really heard anybody else make that point that it's going it is going to be tough to narrow it down because you can't just go through the building and say, let's test everybody to see if residual evidence on their hands of cocaine. You could have 70 percent of the staff marched off to the, you know, the D.C. prison. They stopped. If, like, if there's any room in the D.C. prison filled with all those January 6th uh, insurrectionists who who weren't yes. able to uh, achieve anything on January 6th. Um, you could drug test. I mean, our White House drug tested quite regularly, as a matter of fact, and it was spontaneous and random. You'd be walking back from 
the White House mess after having uh, maybe a little too much caffeine. And they'd say, Mr. Rose, uh, come here and uh, uh, give us a little sample. They've stopped doing that in the uh, Biden White House. Uh, Again, I think they'd have more luck if they uh, massively screened and just found those people who did not test positive for cocaine. But I do think it's important to point out and reiterate what, what you and I were just discussing. The media is already laying the template that um, they're not going to find out who this was. The Hill's got a big piece this morning. Uh, virtually impossible to determine who it was. Well, actually, Gary, it isn't impossible. If the leaks are true about where the cocaine was found, then you, you come into the White House, you go through all this security, you walk up West Exec, which is the, the, the little driveway that separates the Eisenhower Executive Office building, this old, this 19th century Baroque <clears throat> a building that used to serve as the, as the home for the entire federal bureaucracy, by the way. When it was opened in the 1880s, it was considered Whoa. this huge white There's elephant because uh, during the Cleveland administration, when that building opened, Gary, you might not even know this, there was a big public debate about what a white elephant that one building was because there is no way they could ever fill up that office space with government employees. It was just too big. At the time, it was the largest single office building in the world. So you walk down West Exec, and then you take a right under the canopy to get to the West Wing entrance, the visitor's entrance. And there's, a, there's like a room, like a cloakroom, where you, you ditch your umbrellas and your dirty shoes and the galoshes that have snow and dirt all over them. And there are lockers the lockers put are for right to put your cell phone in. You take a key. They track who, you know, who put their stuff in what locker, and you have the key. So, they if if that is in fact where this cocaine was found, they already know who put it there, because yeah, the person I mean, never returned with the key. Yeah. So so the, you know this reference to cubby holes. There are no cubby holes at these entrances to the West Wing. They're locked safes. Yes, you can. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really amazing, Tom. Tom, there would have been more controversy in the Trump Pence administration if a story broke that said that it's been discovered. There's a secret little area in the West Wing that was not being used for much that's been converted to a prayer room where Pence and other Christians that work in the White House, if they're having a particularly stressful day, go in to be with the Lord and pray a little bit. There would be more of an uproar and Washington controversy about that than the idea of a bag of Coke being found in the West Wing. (laughs) That's that's. Very well said, although I do predict that next week we won't even mention it because, look, if we can withdraw from Afghanistan with our tail between our legs, the world's great nuclear power, leaving hundreds of Americans behind with images last August that made our final evacuation from Saigon look organized and honorable, and there's no media discussion or mention of it today, this thing will be gone by the time our podcast hits the air. That's the atten- not only the attention span of the American media, but the direction in which the media narrative 
drives our coverage of stories. I was reading earlier this morning on this on this cocaine thing. I don't remember this. I was too young, but you certainly do. That's not a shot at you, although <laughs> um, <laughs> President Ford had a 23-year-old son. This is in 1975, or maybe it actually was 1976, during the election year, in which his 23-year-old son admitted that he had tried marijuana. Okay, this is how far we've come in 50 years. This was a huge scandal. Jimmy Carter went to town on it, pinning the president and Mrs. Ford, who had her own problems with uh, substance, in this case, alcohol. And she, by the way, did tremendous yeoman's work coming out and talking about her experiences with that devastating, horrible disease. But this shows you how far we've come. Gerald Ford was almost shanghaied. Reagan, to his credit, didn't really uh, uh, push this because he might have been concerned about about uh, what was going on. Be maybe. careful here, Tom. <laughs> what was going on maybe under his own roof with with some of his kids. But uh, I think that that kind of illustrates where we are and how far we've come that the simple admission of a 23-year-old grown man whose father was president that he tried marijuana almost brought a president down, where now they're actually finding far more active uh, drugs in cocaine in the White House, and, and uh, nobody bats an eye. You, you know, Tom, uh, uh, among the substantial number of people that hate um, Donald Trump, um, and all the, you know, negative things, little things that were blown up to be huge things and so forth. Um, Donald Trump's children uh, n- never drank and never used drugs. And they all tell the same story, that he would warn them at breakfast or dinner every day as they were growing up. Do not use drugs. Do not drink and and he made it clear that there would be a price they would not want to pay if he ever found them violating well, those rules. We we might want to be a little careful there because of the news of of uh, his eldest son this week. But they, of course, experienced firsthand, and the president experienced firsthand as a young man the ravages and and dangers of alcoholism with the death of his beloved elder brother Fred who died from this disease it's a terrible dreaded disease and the argument that we now have to legalize and normalize and celebrate all other drugs because alcohol is widely available I think misses the point we don't have enough trouble with alcohol we're we want to add more to our toxic uh, chemical culture alcohol is dangerous enough as it is i mean we've experienced that we've seen it we've lived through it we witness it and the fact that that mainstream media now and even fox news i was i hate to admit it because i don't watch it anymore but even fox news almost minimized it uh last night on on one of their programs i think it was the news show with brett bear minimized it they'll never find out who did it Uh, There's no way to find out when, of course, if the leaks are true and this bag was found in a locker in the cloakroom, then they already know who did it or whose it was because the key was never returned and the items were never collected from that. uh, I I was about to say cubby hole. 
from that locker. Yeah, the positions they're taking are so far out in in Never Never Land. And I think they believe that most people don't even get the details, so it's not going to hurt them that much. But is all this drip, drip, dripping? And now this stuff, you know, it w- w- once uh, a politician gets into trouble, th- th- there's a phenomena where everything they touch turns. It's the it's the anti-Midas touch. touch. Right. Yes. Everything turns to crap. Uh, is is Biden in that now? And does it add to the possibility that they're going to be able to uh, ease him out? So the dream ticket of of uh, the governor of California and the governor of Michigan uh, can emerge to save uh, the country from the neo-fascists and, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, all the all the forces on the right that are so evil, as we're told all the time. You know, it it brings home. It's a question. The Pride Month we just finished. What's behind all of this? Why this urge to sexualize kids, to indoctrinate them, to use our public schools as platforms? And I was thinking, well, for our public schools were created in after universal education, after the Civil War, uh, to indoctrinate our kids, to Americanize them, to teach them uh, about the values and the creed and the culture in which their largely immigrant families came to, to create a single American culture. People say that our kids are failing to learn, that all the metrics show that our kids are falling behind, but I don't think that's true at all, Gary. They're succeeding precisely at what they've been taught. They're marching out of school, they're organizing rallies for gun control, they're going to pride parades, they're all for electric cars, they're against racial harmony. Grooming kids in schools isn't just perverted, of course it is, Uh, it's also political. Because as you just were alluding to, the Democrat agenda is absolutely dependent upon building coalitions of minority groups. And the more minority groups you can build, the better off your political demographics will be. A coalition of minority groups now include and expand the sexual community. Organizing in schools, which is what's happening, is meant to expand that coalition. And I think it's doing it because every teenage girl that's tracked for a mastectomy or every teenage boy that's castrated, they view as a future Democrat voter. Yeah, no no question about it. Tom, so, you know, within uh, I think it was about if you look at five weeks, um, the the White House lawn had uh, some perverts prancing around without their tops on. Males, within, by the way, with fake boobs. Right. Within, <laughs> uh, I was trying to spare our audience a little bit of because some people watch this during breakfast. You know, I just thought, um, within feet of the president and uh, the vice president, and and within five weeks of that, you've got cocaine in the West Wing. I mean, uh, you, you know, we just celebrated on July Fourth this exceptional nation. Uh, meant to be a shining city on a hill, but I more and more we just look like Babylon. Sodom and Gomorrah's got nothing on us, and this is where, and I hate to be more pessimistic and negative than you, I didn't think that was possible, but as you were alluding to earlier in the show, public polling that demonstrates the American people have had enough, 
the American people had enough of legalizing drugs. American people had enough of shoving same-sex marriage down our throats. The American people had enough of a lot of the social change that is now accepted and regarded as being normative. Uh, Churchill had a, a famous expression that if someone isn't a socialist by the time he's 20, he has no heart. And if he's not a conservative by the time of a, by the time he's 40, he doesn't have a brain. But what happens if the man isn't a man and uh, is missing parts other than his heart or his brain? Where then does he or she fall in the category of 52 or 58 genders? I can't even keep count of how many genders we're up to now. Last week it was 52. By now it's probably pushing 60. But these are these are laugh lines and they're jokes, but there's something about it that is deeply, deeply uh, dangerous to any kind of social structure. The Biden administration's not sitting on its hands, Gary. I mean, they're actively suing Tennessee. They've got a case now. The Justice Department filed a case in Tennessee over the Protecting Children from Genital Mutilation Act. Now, imagine proudly opposing a bill that's called protecting kids from gender mutilations. They do it openly. They do it proudly. Democrat judges have blocked similar measures in my own home state of Florida, in Arkansas and Alabama. And on the other side of the aisle, you've got states like, well, it's Washington, D.C. and California, where Democrat legislatures have now legalized what is Without hyperbole, the the kidnapping, the abduction of children by the state to proceed with transgender procedures that their parents do not approve of. California now proudly calls itself a transgender sanctuary state. Everyone accepts that. And we had news that came out this week, and I'm, I'm sure that, that you'll want to discuss this because you probably know more about this than I do. In fact, I'm sure you know about, more about this than I do, but you won't hear a word of it from the mainstream media or read about it in uh, The Hollywood Reporter. But this new Jim Caviezel movie, which I didn't realize isn't new. Disney's been sitting on it for five years. Sound of Freedom was produced back in 2018, uh, topped... The Indiana Jones remake, which, by the way, is horrible. I saw it. I'm guilty. I, I don't don't waste your seventeen dollars. Oh my! No, it's just terrible. It's not woke. It's just awful. But here you have an off-label Christian movie that, if you count receipts, outdid the number one movie. But you're not going to read about that. You're not going to hear about it. Disney did everything they could to to kill this movie. It was produced back in 2018, five years ago. 20th Century Fox uh, bought the distribution rights. But then when Disney bought Fox in 2018, it put the movie on the shelf. It then took producers, what, five years to reacquire those rights back from Disney. They released the movie in, I think it was only like, Three or four hundred theaters, Indiana Jones, the Harrison Ford debacle in two thousand theaters, and it outdoes them. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, you've have really you seen had, it? I, I've not seen it. I, I've not seen it. I, I was talking with uh, when Carol and I were talking this morning over breakfast. Uh, she mentioned that a couple of people in in uh, her book group or uh, one of the other groups that gets together at our house had seen it. And said that it was uh, it was a it was a heavy movie, 
but very well made. Uh, but the, the subject matter is this is not, you know, um, no, it's not a children's movie. It's, no. Yeah, it's not for the light of heart. Um, and you're, you're right. I mean, it's extraordinary that it was able to out uh, perform the, the Harrison Ford movie. Um, you, you know, the one thing we can say with certainty, Tom, I mean, the, the subject is, you know, the trafficking of children, sexual trafficking of children. The one thing we can say for certainty is that this is happening all over the world. And it's probably happening in the United States right now under the Biden administration to a greater extent than it has ever happened in the history of our country because Biden and uh, Harris, when they came into office within days, opened America's borders and every uh, insane criminal evil thing possible is crossing that border. Uh, along with all those people seeking a better life, there's drugs and uh, guns and terrorists and you name it crossing the border. And the Biden administration, so fearful that somebody was going to get, say, cell phone picture of uh, the, the, the centers that were set up to house children in them that they started releasing those children as quickly as they could to whoever who to whoever showed up at the door saying, well, yeah, I'm his uh, uncle third removed. And then the result is there's about one hundred and eighty thousand children missing. The Biden administration has no doubt where they are. Reportedly, some of them have been um, exploited for child labor in sweatshops shops by um, uh, businesses that are run by unscrupulous people. But there is absolutely no doubt that since the cartels brought them in and they were given to adults that we can't identify, that some percentage of them have been uh, uh, employed, sent out to be sexually exploited in a culture that's ready for that. Because our children are being sexually exploited in a million different ways. But they'll get free ice cream from Ben and Jerry's, the illegal kids, (laughs) because in a moment of cognitive dissonance that I think actually takes the prize, on the same day that Ben and Jerry's ridicules, not ridicules, delegitimizes July 4th and says that uh, America exists on stolen Indian land, and if we really love our values, we'll return that land, they also patted themselves on the back, congratulated themselves on offering free ice cream to all uh, the illegals. Now, I'll tell you what, Ben and Jerry, I'll make a deal with you. You go first. Return your stolen land and go back where you came from and then come back and talk to us. Yeah, what's the name of that tribe in Vermont? It doesn't get that much attention, but I know it's just, there's descendants still alive, and that's the land that the Ben and Jerry's headquarters has been built on. The reason that came, well, it was actually some Israelis that uh, young Israelis that did some research because Ben and Jerry, in addition to to hating America, hate Israel and uh, are are quite frankly, anti anti Semites, but uh, Jewish anti Semites, both of the, but both. Are they Jewish? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh, they're uh, total, total left-wing, self-hating Jews. Ben Goldstein and Jerry Silvers. I don't know. Goldstein, I've, I've Pearlstein. Never, never even thought oh, about are you kidding? Oh, my name. goodness. Who? First of all, who else? Let's not get into uh, um, 
psychoanalyzing the sickness and twisted mentality of my people, Gary, because we'd be here for hours and hours. But this began, they boycotted uh, Israel, attempted to boycott Israel. They tried to revoke the domestic license from a producer that had the rights to produce their ice cream in Israel. Of course, there's no problem getting Ben & Jerry's in China. There's no problem getting Ben & Jerry's in Russia. Uh, And (laughs) I just thought this yesterday, you know, we're on stolen land. We should return it. Uh, You go first, guys. You go first. Yeah, it's the... um Abenaki Nation. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the reason that uh, the Abenaki Nation has gotten some publicity, some publicity lately is not just the Ben and Jerry uh, little problem there of sitting on their territory, but uh, for, the, for the leftists running the University of Vermont, every time they have an assembly at the University of Vermont or a conference or any comp- anybody speaking – the spokesperson moderating the session from the University of Vermont will say, uh, well, welcome to the University of Vermont, uh, sitting on the occupied land. They, they self-confess every day. But what uh, are they doing what, about it? Well, absolutely nothing, but they feel really good when they, when they confess. That, look, the Department of the Interior, uh, whenever they send a speaker out anywhere in America – they find out what Indian tribe uh, used to occupy that particular place. The speech is taking place, and they thank and ask forgiveness from the uh, occupied tribe, uh, the tribe whose land is. I mean, and you realize how preposterous that is, right? Because whatever yeah, you know what whatever means. Indian tribe it was, took it from another Indian tribe. Yes, and. and we're- no, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this Alan Taylor book. I mentioned it the other day on the American Revolution. Don't worry, it's on your, it's on the way to you. 1760 to 1805 my or something. My library like that. continues to grow. Right. No, I'm he, expanding my house like the old executive office building. He he makes this point that until really the middle of the 19th century or the early 19th century, rather, excuse me, Indians didn't think of us as being other. Indians were hundreds of different tribes. We were just another tribe. We were the biggest and the most powerful. But the entire pre-Caucasian influx into this continent was thousands of years of internecine battles between one tribe and another tribe. So this nonsense about uh, uh, congratulating the Pawtucket Nation or whatever, the Shawnee uh, Iroquois Confederation... They were just the most recent conquerors that we took it from. And they took yeah. it from, you know, so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Yeah, I, I saw somebody comment the other day on some social media platform, and I've forgotten which platform, and I've forgotten who made the comment. But he was a Neanderthal. He certainly had not internalized the ways we're supposed to think about things. He said, look, I just want to be clear about this. We didn't steal anything. We conquered the people that were right. on the land and took it fair, square and fair in a fight, which, of course, is what has always happened when a superior civilization uh, or a stronger in. one or a stronger one for that right. matter. And by the yeah. way, I just had a thought. Ben and Uh-oh. Jerry, Ben and Jerry, these two Jewish guys, these self-hating left wing anti-Israel Jews 
who say that we've got to return the land and go back where we came from, that would mean they would have to go back to Israel, which they hate and despise and refuse to sell ice cream to. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is uh, – I um, you will notice in your next paycheck, which we don't get, a bonus because I'm going to tell the man – uh, that he needs to pay you more. <laughs> Do you? I don't even. Ben and Jerry's is too rich for me. I mean, I, rich, small R, not capital R. I, it's just too creamy. Anyway, we got to take a break. That sounds like a good idea. I can hear uh, our in-office producer here in Washington D.C. screaming through the wall of my office because she's sitting on the other side of it. Break! Break! <laughs> so this breaks for you. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Gary. Tom, my name is Tom Rose, and the good-looking guy's name is Gary Bauer. I'm just, again, I'm so spent after 30 days of pride, I can't get my wits about me. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, attended a, a huge gay pride event wearing Muslim socks. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, Muslim socks, the color of Islam. Uh, where, what, was, what were the, the socks covering? <laughs> the ankle but oh okay my question is whether or not he's going to wear gay socks at a muslim pride event uh, my yeah, guess is you're supposed to he, he, he's he's he could end up with no feet there is a great and i can't i don't have the address but on youtube um just type in this is serious ahmed In Canada, I guess it was in Calgary or whatever, there was this huge push in the public schools to celebrate pride and gay pride, that is, not American pride or Canadian pride, gay pride. There was, um, this was in a, I guess, a heavily or disproportionately large Muslim uh, community inside the school district, and the Muslim kids refused to participate, wouldn't participate. And the teacher says to this Ahmed, who I don't know, seventh grade, eighth grade, we go to your events. Why don't you come to our events? And the uh. kids literally start laughing. These are 13 year old kids who are more mature and more understanding of the absolute idiocy of the left. All the kids start mocking the teacher and the teacher says, this is don't laugh. This is serious, Ahmed. <laughs> it's just that, that's a great story, Tom. We've been talking about this a little bit. Uh, it's not it's that's not two a stories this week that I know that you don't, and that's very. I mean, you're the one that you're you're scoop newsworthy over there, Tom. You have not brought anything up today that I didn't know. Right, but I, I've been feeling bad for you. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. so I'm letting you. It's like uh, Michael Jordan topping off to, your right, mouth, right, you Michael know. Michael Jordan giving the ball to Steve Kerr. Right, right. Yes. Uh, no, we we have talked in recent weeks about this phenomena, and I think it's a thing now, uh, both in the United States and in Canada, where immigrant communities, uh, most notably uh, Muslim, but also some Christian immigrant uh, communities, 
that have migrated and are often living in liberal areas of the country. And uh, it's happening in Montgomery County, Maryland, here close to Washington, D.C. And these families of these immigrant communities are protesting at school board meetings because they do not want their their children who are being raised as Orthodox Christians or Orthodox Muslims uh, to be learning about this perverted crap in the classroom. They want the rightest parents to pull their kids out. And it's causing a meltdown on the left. First of all, it's caused a meltdown by the pro-LGBTQ people that have showed up themselves to demonstrate, thinking that they were going to be confronted with a, by a bunch of white Trump-loving MAGA-wearing hat uh, Americans, and instead looked over to see crowds that were more diverse than their crowd was. That's one shock. But now, Tom, and now you, this is where you can tell it's really getting serious. It's suddenly being warned about by people like Jen Psaki and others who will on her TV show uh, on CNN, I believe it is, have gone on and said, uh, I want to talk about something now very serious. Uh, this is this effort to try to um, seduce Muslims being made by the right and the Republicans in America trying to get you Muslims to join them uh, over these LGBTQ. Don't fall for it, you know, <laughs> and don't fall for it, you idiot. Does she, what does she think? Muslims no, she actually she calls it. She calls it. Jewish. And she's not the only one. It's now the meme on the left that this is a right wing strategy designed to divide minority groups. Because you see, Gary, Muslims, they were all into gay pride month until we conservatives started talking about it, questioning it. And challenging it, they had no problem with genitally mutilating uh, minor children, cutting breasts off, cutting uh, other male appendages off. Uh, Until we started questioning it, they said, you know, conservatives, thanks, because maybe we don't like it either. I know we were supposed to like it and we liked it before, but until you brought it up, conservatives, we Muslims, we never had a problem with any of this. It's the right-wing strategy to divide minority groups that has resulted in Muslims opposing Pride Month indoctrination. Yeah, so Tom, a couple of times in recent weeks, you know, you've accused me of being uh, less pessimistic uh, then, then, and Bauer uh, calls that an accusation. Then you are. And, and Bauer I, is offended. No, no, no. Quiet, I, I Bauer. Quiet. Offended. He is offended that I've just called him a Cassandra. Yes, I am deeply offended by that. But but what I have been pointing out that's caused you to do that is I think it's getting harder and harder for the political left in America to keep this coalition of minorities together because they're they're now getting down to fundamental things you just can't look the other way about, right? So um, there there are Jewish women feminists that are not about to attend a um, rally of of uh, feminists where some of the prominent speakers are 
Israel haters and anti-Semites. They're just not going to do it. And it's been a very difficult thing for them to process that they can't be part of a feminist movement that says if you're a feminist, you've got to support the Palestinians, which is a most bizarre thought I've ever had in my mind and heard in my in my life. And so I think it's going to I think it's going to be harder and harder. There's a little city in uh, Michigan the other day whose city council Hamtrak, is all Muslim right. and they Michigan. voted no flag will fly at the city hall other than the American flag. And the, the identity politics crowd, that which animates and motivates and, and principles the Democrat Party, the Democrat coalition, is so into their own ideology, they don't understand or can't understand how part of that coalition, Muslim Americans, could be more conservative on social issues than evangelical Christians to the point where they simply deny that that conservatism exists. The Justin Trudeau example. He will go to a Muslim pride event, act like he's a great lover of Muslims, and at the same time, wonder and scratch his head at their inability to get on board with the, the, the sexual agenda of the far left. That's kind of where we are in America. And you see this not just socially and not just with governments, but with NGOs and academic institutions. The Biden administration quite proudly announced last week that it would stop scientific cooperation with Israeli universities over their treatment, quote unquote, of Palestinians. So the United States is now boycotting scientific cooperation with, in particular, Ariel University in Israel and the town of Ariel, which is just beyond the green line, yet our scientific cooperation with China goes on unencumbered by their internment of more than a million Muslim Uyghurs in Xinjiang province. That's not a problem. The fact that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the likely almost certain source of the pandemic that's killed 10 million people at least, we're still funding it, Gary. We're still funding it. No science cooperation with Israel, but plenty of science cooperation with China, plenty of, of virus studying cooperation with China, and the White House proceeds along its merry way to entice, appease, bribe, cajole Iran into accepting tens of billions more from us. In it wants to create... He wants to perform a second Holocaust. That's right. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, would kill a heck of a lot of Palestinians in the process, too. I mean, unless they've come up with the, you know, the, the, the rumors are that, that the Chinese are working on some biological agents that will literally only kill certain ethnic groups. How is that scientifically? Well, because there, there's something in the DNA. DNA that, you know, can, can be and. I'll tell you, Tom, this this is really depressing. I mean, because when I heard that and it's been reported a number of times, I thought to myself, now, that that is really evil. And then I heard uh, JFK Jr. say the other day, guess what, folks? The United States military has been working on the same thing for years. Oh, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. Meanwhile, we've got we've got Janet Yellen, who is the good cop to Joe Biden's bad cop arriving in Beijing for very, very serious talks. And her, she was welcomed to China uh, this morning with new export restrictions announced by the Chinese Communist Party to the U.S., banning the export of critical materials. How did we, the greatest country in the world, Gary, become 
dependent upon our top, let's call it competitor. All right. Let's let's not even say enemy. Let's say yeah. competitor for critical. Okay, Joe Biden. Yeah, no, for these these critical materials. In August one, China will stop exporting gallium and germanium. I had to check that out because, frankly, I've heard of uh, geraniums, but I've never heard of germanium. They want us to. Uh, Stop limiting our tech exports to them so they choke off our supply of minerals we need. It doesn't sound like they're too scared of nobody messes with Joe Biden. And she's the good one, right? She's the one who says we shouldn't decouple from China. Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary. It would be a disaster, right. We've been so eager to talk to China. It's downright unseemly that we not go on all fours begging on hands and knees for greater cooperation uh, from China. Again, another Churchill quote, uh, I have no problem with turning the other cheek, said Winston Spencer Churchill, but all four of them? Yeah. Yeah, no. It, it is a spectacle, Tom. It's terrible. It's uh, every day in every way. Uh, our, our friends wonder if they've made the wrong decision by being our friends, and our enemies laugh at uh, and probably uh, yearn for the, the future they see to come as quickly as possible. I, I think every enemy the United States face, faces sees both uh, how many of our leaders are cowards and also sees our decadence, the things that we were talking about uh, earlier today, and, and look at that and, uh, and, and know that these are the things of a fallen empire, a, a nation that's, uh, as the polling data shows, uh, a majority of Americans believe uh, our best days are already past. They're, they're not coming. It's never going to get any better than it is now, uh, which, is a, which is a sad thought. Um, Tom, I don't want us to leave today about what, uh, without at least mentioning uh, the biggest firework that went off on the 4th of July of any that was fired um, and, and it was during the day on the 4th when some reporters noticed that coming across uh, online uh, was news of a judicial opinion uh, being released by a U.S. district court. And they were saying to themselves, what kind of dopey judge releases his decision on July 4th? Well, it was done very intentionally. This is the decision released by this U.S. district court judge saying that he has seen enough evidence uh, to make him believe that it is very likely the Biden administration engaged in a wholesale violation of the First, Amend- uh, First Amendment's uh, freedom of speech. And he's issued a temporary injunction uh, saying that uh, the, the head of the FBI, the, uh, the head of the CDC, uh, the former White House press secretary, multiple employees at HHS and, F- and the FBI uh, are enjoined from speaking uh, to anybody at social media companies uh, until further notice because he believes an Orwellian, he said, uh, campaign was run in recent years by the Biden administration uh, to censor the American people. Gary, 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 Gary Bauer. Uh, I just, it never, I mean, when will you learn, Gary Bauer? <laughs> Don't you understand that preventing the government from censoring free speech is censorship? 
Yeah. That was that's been the media reaction for the past New York Times, seventy-two page. hours. That this is going to have a chi- they're very concerned, Gary, because this is going to have a chilling effect on communications between the government and social media platforms. Yeah, the the uh, several uh, state attorney generals have already said they they will not uh, uh, follow what this district court judge said. Uh, and look, I think the, this morning uh, or earlier this week, the, the Biden administration announced they were appealing it to a higher court, a higher court. There will be appeals and appeals and appeals. But, Tom, the, the hope here is this very well, I think, will uh, end up uh, in front of the Supreme Court. And it's possible it could end up there uh, in an accelerated manner. And uh, right now. We we've got a majority on that court that I think is very likely to uphold this. uh, It's just a court judge. We talk a lot on the show. and I know we're running out of time about narratives and how once narratives are created by the left, which they do brilliantly, uh, we're always on our back foot and always attempting somehow to defend ourselves without ever going on the attack. Listen to this quote from. Taxpayer-funded government media at NPR, quote, the government's ability to fight disinformation online has suffered a legal setback that experts, I love that word, experts say, will have a chilling effect on communications between federal agencies and social media companies. It's hard to think of a more sweeping ruling, says Evelyn Dueck, an expert of regulation, disinformation, and hate speech online, quote, This injunction enjoins tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of federal government employees from having communication with private platforms about content on their services. Yeah, isn't that, I mean, seriously. uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, totalitarian societies must look with some admiration at how quickly the totalitarians that would rule us have been able to come up with party lines that really are that I mean they even do Orwell to shame you know I mean it, it's some pretty good stuff from the standpoint of if you're somebody at war with the liberties enshrined in our Constitution it, it's hard to find people that can write better stuff than that and Tom I am sure that. That kind, those kinds of quotes fool a lot of people. Oh, right? absolutely. Look, I mean, the term Orwellian, we throw it around a lot, but here the left, it seems to me, has decided to argue that their argument is that preventing government from censoring speech has a chilling effect on speech. And one has to wonder, where are the all the old ACLU 1960 liberal types that built their movement upon free speech. The 1960s movement was founded in 1964, quote, the free speech movement at Berkeley. At Big Tech, they use this same argument down here in my home state of Florida uh, that in their attempt to ban um, uh, Internet censorship, in their attempt to fight against Governor DeSantis' uh, move to fight Internet censorship. But the government doesn't even have a platform. It's, it's, it's fighting for the right to go on censoring, arguing that somehow invoking the First Amendment is this draconian new effort to stop government censorship that everybody knows about, everybody supports, and everybody welcomes. 
Well, you, you get you get it gets back to what you said a little bit earlier. Their control over the schools is, is turning out, you know, millions, hundreds of thousands of kids on a regular basis that no longer get teary eyed when they hear the First Amendment. They 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 think the First Amendment has got to be sliced and diced and restricted in a thousand different ways. And and their and their main you know conceit is that uh, they're all for freedom of speech unless it's speech they disagree with. Well, that's the very speech that needs the most protection. Speech that a majority may disagree with. If the majority disagrees uh, with speech, it needs no protection of freedom of speech. It's the speech that is questioning, the speech that is challenging, the speech is taking a minority or maybe an unpopular position that needs the First Amendment, and that's the very speech that young Americans are being taught must be stopped at all costs. You know, Tom, this gets back to why there's a Fourth of July, why we celebrate it, why the founders said we were an exceptional nation. We were exceptional mainly in the sense that it was a country founded on the idea that these liberties do not come from government. Certainly not from a king, not from a tyrant, not from a president. These liberties we have come from God. That's what made the founding of America an exceptional enterprise. And then as after, you know, it was founded, the uh, uh, Madison uh, said, you know, well, we, we ought to try to let's enumerate some of these liberties. I mean, we can't possibly enumerate them all. But we ought to certainly enumerate some of the most important ones so that people understand what are these things that come directly from God and not from government. And that's where we get the Bill of Rights, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly, the freedom to petition, etc. All of which are under attack. And the Second Amendment, which had uh, absolutely nothing to do with hunting, uh, other than this, Tom, it meant to limit the ability of a government to hunt for our guns, right? That's what that Second Amendment was about, that we had a right would it, to have would it be guns. a Would it be a violation of your free speech rights for me to censor you and shut you off because we're out of time? No, it would not at all. Uh, I could sense it was I could tell by the look in your face that the axe was getting ready to fall. And that's why I wanted to uh, enumerate these last few points. Well, have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. By the way, we haven't even mentioned the Bauer and Rose show, the Bauer and Rose podcast. We're on Sirius, Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125 every weekend. And our podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Hit the like button. Give us a five-star rating. Recommend us to your friends. My Twitter handle is Rom. No, wait a minute. I don't even. You know what? I'm not going to get into that because I don't even know what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> uh, Gary doesn't even know what a Twitter handle is, let alone what his. Do you have a Twitter? I, I handle? am. I am on. I am. You're on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Like every ninety days, I put something up on Twitter. <laughs> I don't understand why I'm not growing a bigger following, but uh, well, no, I, I get a. I get a. You know, you tweet. I usually get the. You know, between a couple hundred and a thousand people that will view it, and you know, so. Right. That's not bad. No, it isn't. It isn't. Um, what is your Twitter handle? I'm embarrassing you because you don't know, do you? It's you Gary don't Bauer know. Twitter. <laughs> is, is that what it is? 
I think so. Gary L. Bauer at Twitter. I believe that's it. Okay. Well, you've just now given us two, so I don't think you know. Well, yeah, you said well, Gary Bauer at Twitter, and then you said Gary L. Bauer at Twitter. I have several Bauer? Twitter accounts. All right, all right, all right. We're way over. I apologize to uh, our producers and our tens upon tens of fans. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you. God bless America. God bless Bauer. And God bless God the bless Bauer us. and Rose podcast. We'll talk to you soon.